Cassian joins a new team. The ISB sorts out the Ferrix mess. Luthen makes some moves and more as the Sky Eyes are back to recap episode four of Andor. We are back here on the Sky Guys talking about episode four of Andor, the season now going back to its weekly pace, one episode a week. I'm one of the Sky Guys, one of your hosts, Mike Phillips. Joining me today, as always, the man's voice we hear in the narration every single week. Pete Constantor is here. Pete, how are you? Doing well. Episode four. Uh, we're on to our second arc. I'm excited to hear what you guys think about it. I know we talked about it a little bit off the uh, off the podcast here, and I I feel like I'm going to be the outlier when it comes to the feelings of this episode. However, I'm very excited to talk about it, see what your thoughts are, and uh, ready to get started. All right, that's for sure. Up next here on the panel is the head of the Podcast Security Bureau here. Nick Frayetta is here. Nick, how are you? Doing great. Um, Definitely Pete's going to be the odd one out here because I loved this episode. Absolutely as well. And also with us today, making his debut on the Sky Guys, holding off Hurricane Ian down there in Florida. Vin Gallo is here. Vin, how are you? I'm good, Mike. I'm good. Thanks for having me. Uh, I've been, Nikki's been asking me to be on the podcast for a while, and I'm, I'm happy to finally uh, get to be on it for uh, episode four of Andor. Yeah, just to set up here, when we originally had the two episodes premiere, Vin was set up for the second guarantee episode, which is going to be, I think, September 7th, the original plan was. Now we said we're keep Vin to that, but. Right now, Vin's recording. He lives in Florida. He's not in the direct path of uh, Ian yet, but Ian's going to get in there at some point. So if Vin cuts out, we'll let you know. Vin will be back later on, but for now, I'm glad you're here. Thank you. Thanks, Mike. Happy to be here. Absolutely. Before I get started, give the audience here a little bit of your background here, like with the Star Wars. Like, what got you into it? Like, what's your favorite stuff? Yeah, so, I mean, I would say, I think, Mike, you and I talked about this during softball. I said, I'm, I'm like, I'd say I'm a step above the casual fan, but I'm not by any means like an expert um i got into it i think like what was it mid 90s when they started doing the re-releases in theaters and like the remastered versions on vhs that's when i got into it loving once i saw empire strikes back i was hooked um and you know i followed the main series all of the disney plus series um i haven't gotten into like the, the animated stuff but um but you know i love i love star wars i love talking about star wars um and uh, yeah, I'm excited to hear what you guys have to say. So, um, so yeah, that's mine. I would say my favorite is definitely Empire Strikes Back, and I think then after that, it's Rogue One for sure. So that gives you a little info about me and Star Wars. Yeah, good show to have you on here, Vin and Pete. As always, people want to subscribe to the Sky Guys podcast. They can follow us all our favorite podcast platforms: Apple Podcasts, Google Play, TuneIn, Stitcher, Spotify, Amazon, all these little suspects. If you follow along with Justin the Suffering Feeds, give you out a couple of days afterwards. But if you follow Sky Guys. You get now get the bonus episode like Nick and I did earlier the week with the news from last week. We also are going to give you day after record access, which is very, very unique. Yeah, exclusive content, right? Just make sure you're subscribed. Um, we've said it time and time again, broken record. If you haven't subscribed already, please subscribe if you're new to the channel. Um, obviously, we're giving you the info now, so you might as well subscribe and, and get that exclusive content. Absolutely here. And Nick, people have follows on the Instagram. How can they do that? You can follow at Sky Guys Podcast and expect to see a lot more coming. I have so I have some memes made in the lab. Yeah, did the ISB inspire you at all this week for some new new ideas? That's right. Yeah, absolutely. And 
Vin, if people want to see us on video, they can check out my YouTube channel, Mike Phillips on YouTube, the video version. Sometimes I break the props out. Like, I haven't had many on Andor yet, but since you're here, I'll show you uh, Lego Mando is going to be in the uh, episode on the video version this week. Very awesome. Yeah, I like all the props. I like all the Star Wars stuff that you got. Pretty awesome. Absolutely here. As we do, last week was a bit of a supersized news because there's a lot going on here. But Nick, I feel like things are a little quieter this week. Yeah, we'll, we'll get to the Star Wars news here. We'll try to keep it a little bit quick because I know we don't want to run over on episode time. That's been a, a, a something that we're trying to do as a whole. But first, thing, there's two pieces of news that I have. The first piece of news is the one that everyone's probably heard is that James Earl Jones is hanging up the cape. He is retiring as the voice of Darth, the voice of Darth Vader and has agreed that they could digitally recreate the voice, which I think is great. I think it's just going to make it so, you know, he's old now. What is he, 91? Yeah, he's in his yeah. 90s. Yeah, I mean, I, he's not going to. He's 91 years old. He's not going to make it much longer, you know. So the fact that we can still get Vader after he's gone is great. It's, he did his job, and I'm happy with the decision. Yeah, the one quick thing I'll point out here for the people who are listening to this is like, this is something Vanity Fair broke. They've had a lot of Star Wars stuff here. And I don't know if you heard about this, but apparently, like, they did this technology called respeacher to do to get his voice into, into Obi-Wan Kenobi. And they did that, like, from Ukraine. That's the company is based on. They were actually finishing Kenobi when the war was starting here, which is pretty nuts. Yeah, I didn't know the, the Ukraine stuff. That's awesome. Um, yeah, but I've heard about the respeacher. I think they did this with Luke, too, right? And yep. um, Boba Fett. Um, so I, th- I think it's cool. I mean, if you're going to do stuff like this where you're going back, you know, you're going back in time, having actors who are older than they were, or you're having actors who are aging out, like, I have no problem with this. I think it's cool. I think it's um, if it's done sparingly, it, it works really well. Absolutely. Here, Nick, anything else in the news department this week? One more thing, it's that uh, Disney reportedly has said that they now want, starting, I believe, next year, 2023, for two Star Wars games to come out, video games, that is, every year. One AAA title and one other. Yeah. So, I mean, as long as they're made right, that's fine with me, but I can't imagine they would be able to make two games and have them be done right, because they, be honest with you, I don't think they've made one game right, ever, so... I really doubt they'll be able to do two a year that are right. Yeah, Pete, as the video game expert on this podcast, I feel like this seems like very ambitious. Yeah, I, I get very concerned when you have quotas like that, where they say they want at least this many games in this amount of years or whatever. Um, like Nick said, it's it's kind of hard now. You, you put that pressure to make a good game, and they may just kind of like send it off buggy. And Video games have done that more recently now where the game is not really finished. They send it off because they have a deadline. They want to make the money, and then they know, okay, we'll release updates later, which has been really bad on the consumer end, but fine for the developers. So I'm hoping that they don't stick to that so that they can actually make some good product. You know, I would rather them say, hey, we're going to be working on some really good titles in the future. Look out for them instead of saying we're going to re- try to release two games a year. I think that's going to be a little bit much. Yeah, that's for sure. Let's get into the episode now. Your episode four uh title i believe and dolly it's i'm not trying to screw the pronunciation up on that one aldani excuse me it was the basic base of the planet that's ended up spending most of cassie's mission on here but take a, a little stroll around the episode here do some different things here so i saw if you're right at the top here you get the sort of follow-up from last week where they escape on the ship we had this big conversation cassian and luthan about like cassian's future with like what goes on here he basically gets offered hey like 
I can drop you off middle of nowhere or and you can find it on your own or you can help me out and you can make some money doing it. So, uh, Nick, general takeaway from this conversation that we have with Cassie and Luthan on the ship. I think we learn a lot about about um, how Cassian is more just he's basically a Han Solo here, but it's going to take longer for him to earn just because it's written for television instead of a movie. He's in it for all right. I'm out of here. Just drop me off. I'm good. Like I'm good. Let, let me. You know, I'm not into the your whole rebellion thing. But as we know, not only does he become into it, he gives his life for it. So I think it's just going to take. You know, it's just the beginning of a story where he's going to have a redemption arc, and this is the first step of it. Yeah, and Pete, I did that was interesting to hear because again, like we get hints about how much like Cassian is known by Luthen, and Luthen's really done his homework on him. Talks about oh, like. You were on like this point, like if it was Mimban, I think, which is I think the planet from Solo, where like Han Solo and Chewie first meet up. He says he basically calls Cassian out his lie about what he actually did there. So definitely fun seeing that power act play out again. And Luthen's basically trying, basically he's really just manipulating Cassian and do what he wants. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I I think uh, you get a lot of information there, um, information that is important. Um, I like seeing how Luthen is as a character and how he's going to play. Um, to Cassian's strengths and weaknesses, right? I mean, that, that's, I feel like, is going to be a theme of his character to come. And we'll talk about more of that playing to strengths and weaknesses with that character about this episode. Again, I'm sure in a different, you know, part of the, you know, in a different scene. Um, so it is very interesting. I liked it. Um, and I think it was a good start. I think it was a good start to the episode. If any, any big takeaways in the conversation that they had on the ship beginning of the episode? Uh, yeah, I mean, I th- so two things, like you said, um, the the that he fought in the same war as Han Solo did in the movie Solo. I thought that was pretty cool. I picked up on that. Um, and then the other thing is, is you obviously we're seeing a different um, Cassian than we did in the first scene of Rogue One. Rogue One, he's willing to uh, literally kill an innocent, well, not an innocent person, but a person that's presumably on his team to further the cause um, of the Empire. I think the first scene we see him. He's like lulling this this uh, spy into a sense of calm and then shoots him Um, here. You know, we're seeing him, like you said, as basically a Han Solo once he'd rather just go live his life, um, relax, enjoy what he can instead of fighting the Empire. Um, So we see a very different Cassian. So this is that's something I really liked about this scene. Yeah, Nick, I did also like 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 I said, I did think it was interesting here, like. As he said, a lot of Cassian sort of like trying to poke around with Luthen. Luthen is not giving him much information here. So seeing like, you know, like we do get this callback to later when Cassian's with his new like rebel friends and saying like, hey, like, what do you know about this guy? He's like, you should have asked him when you were on there. So good, like a uh, good callback by the show too with separate points. Like point out like Luthen has all the power in this relationship right now. And Cassian sort of like is just going along for the ride because he doesn't really have many better options what to do with his life. Yeah, Luthen has an attitude of a, no matter what for the mission type of guy. Yeah. But at the same time, I think he definitely cares for Cassian because if he thought Cassian was disposable, he would not have given him the, the Kyber crystal. Yeah. That's he said it right away. That was worth 50,000 um, credits at least. Yeah. So he wouldn't give that to him if he thought he was going to die. So I think it's clear that he is expecting Cassian to live in this mission. Yeah, Pete, that's a good point that Nick brings up also because you get this whole scene where he basically says, here's the Kyber crystal. You, like, I've had it passed down for generations. It's like, it's like probably get you 50,000 cards. I want it back at the end of the mission here, which is funny because like he's clearly ca- trusting Cassian with this thing and basically he's telling 
well, he's telling the rebel group, like, hey, he's expendable, but clearly to Luthen, he's not expendable. Yeah, to, to Luthen, he's not, right? I mean, I, I think he uses that to the group, um, or to that one character that comes in just to, to persuade her. Um, but I do think it's interesting. I think it's interesting that a Kyber Crystal is coming into play. Um, I think it's interesting that he's using it as like a, hey, I trust you. Here's here's how much I trust you. Here's something that's worth at least 50,000 credits. And it's probably at this point priceless, right? I mean, we're, we're a part... We're, we're at a point where there should be no more Jedi, right? So it's probably even worth more than that. Um, and it's funny to see, like, the common folk of Star Wars not know what it is. Because Cassian was looking at this thing going, well, what is this? I don't know what this is. Almost like it's a piece of junk. Um, so it was a cool dynamic to see. Yeah, and uh, Vin, he also does make a good point of, like, trying to t- look out for Cassian. He's like, here, come, you have an alibi. Give me, come up with a fake name. You have a Clem, who basically I read up. is like, the name is adoptive father who ends up getting killed by the Empire. He says, great. You're Clem for three days, basically he's coaching them how to fit in with this group. So I think a very it's sort of like he's trying to fill that father role in a sense for Cassian a little bit as well, besides just doing him as a rebel asset. Yeah, I, I got the sense kind of like what you were saying, but I got I got the sense that there's obviously more here. We don't know enough about Luthen. He could be, you know, a, a relative. He could be, but he seems important. Like it seems too random right now for him to be this interested in Cassian. Um, for him to have not like have some deeper connection. So um, yeah, I'm interested to see what happens. And, um, you know, going back to the Kyber crystal, the way I look at it was that's a down payment. That's trust. Please trust me. This is the only way I can get you to trust me. Um, And I, you know, I have faith in you type thing. So, um, so yeah, I really, really enjoyed that. I'm I'm interested to see what, what else Luthen like deep, get a deeper dive into Luthen's background. Yeah, Nick, he's throwing those credits around like crazy. I mean, like last week he offered like ten thousand dollars, ten thousand credits just to tell him how he got it. This, this week he's offering him here two hundred thousand credits just to you know go on this mission for me and do and help this team get the job done. He we're, we're told he tells him like you're robbing an imperial payroll for a quarter, basically. So I think it's funny with the mo- the money situation here at the Rebels. We get a little bit of uh, on this in this episode. Well, Luthen must have some sort of business or something in order to have all this money. I think we find out about it a little bit later. Yeah, a little, little bit of business. Plus, he's got connections. Yeah. Uh, Pete, I'll, I'll throw it up to you here. Do you want to keep following the Cassie inside of the story here? Keep going with the Rebels? Or do you want to go somewhere else? Uh, we, we can do whatever. I mean, it's, it's, I, I think we're going to hit everything at some point. Um, you know, I'll let, let's do something else. Let's switch it up. All right, so... Let's let's go to the ISB for a little bit here. And Vin, I mean, we get a, we know a little about them from like us ancillary material. We're basically they're the secret police of the Empire. And I thought seeing the dynamics in this agency this week was fascinating. Yeah, as, when I was watching this, I kept thinking this is like a mini, like Star Wars version of The Office. <laughs> like everybody, like the Office politics. You get like you get like sometimes you forget like this Empire is this giant machine. And now you get to see like the little like bureaucratic politics that go on. Uh, so I thought it was pretty, pretty interesting um, to see, you know, them going back and forth. And um, I, I can't remember his name, but he played um, he was in Game of Thrones. The head guy, Ky- he was his name is Kyburn. I can't remember his name in the show, um, but his dynamic with like uh, with the two with the girl and the guy um, and how they're kind of, you know, the, the woman and if anyone knows the name, just jump in. But the woman, you know, wants to further investigate what's going on um with like with what's going on with cassian and these rebels um and i i like that conversation that he had with her when he was like basically like you're you're exceptional 
um, you're better than this. Like we need more evidence before we go after this. So I really enjoyed uh, seeing seeing this scene and the like the bureaucracy that goes on behind the scenes. Um, besides, you know, obviously we see Darth Vader and and um, and the Emperor usually as like the face of the Empire, and we've gotten a little bit more as we've gotten these Disney Plus. But this was kind of cool because this is kind of like the lowest, like probably one of the lowest tiers, like the operational guys. So yeah. I really, I really enjoyed it. Yeah, it's Major Partagas is the uh, guy in charge of the of this yeah. thing, and Deidre is the uh, woman we're following along, and she's okay. the only, only woman in the room here. And the other guy who's important is Blevin, who is basically the the guy who's re- who's basically reading the pre-more guys were filth and like, in his office at, later on in the mission here. But Nick, yes, we have the group meeting. What did you think about that group meeting? I felt like that was very interesting. I think it just shows that they're not really a security team. They're just making sure rebels don't appear. Yeah. That's pretty much their job. And I thought Pete would go crazy when he saw the ISB, considering his ca- a character draft. And if you remember that Agent Callus is a member of the ISB, so I would not be shocked if we run into Agent Callus at some point now. I did not expect when you said Agent Callus, I was like, oh boy, another rough draft for Pete. But is now it- I, I wouldn't be surprised. I, I think he I think he definitely can show up being a member here. But yeah, I mean, he's on he's on. He might be over at the fall at this point. We don't know when he shows up over there because this is about the same time as Rebel season one where he's hanging out over there. But we did get a yeah. Rywath name check, Nick, which is also pretty cool. Yeah, they talked about Ryloth as well, and that, yeah, just seeing the day-to-day operation of the person who works for the Empire as a job, not necessarily the person who works for the Empire who's evil. Yeah. Because we've seen too much of that with the Emperor and Vader, and even like Moff Gideon, like these people are just, they're just evil for the sake of being evil, while these people are just trying to get a promotion. Yeah, and that's what that's why that's what I was talking about, Nikki. Um, was I really liked? It's like it felt like the office, or it felt like the movie Office Space. Like you just, it's just these people that are just doing their jobs day to day in the Empire. So, yeah, Pierre, that was interesting when Major Pargas gives the speech to the whole like assembled group of ISB supervisors when they talk about, oh, like he has basically, oh, Deidre, what do we do? And she gives them the book by the book answer, like, no, like we're healthcare workers for the Empire. It's like we snuff out viruses and diseases here, which is you think about it here. That's a pretty messed up way to describe basically like how we're going to go find people who are against the Empire, just like kill them just to like save the whole whole body. I mean, the Empire is a pretty messed up empire. I mean, I I mean, I think I think this is just kind of on par and on brand for them. And I have to say, I think this this speech by the main guy there is uh, expected. And the reason why I say expect is because I feel like there's always that that kind of like, no, you're wrong. We don't do this. We're doing something different than what you were taught. Um, it was interesting. I mean, look, it was well acted. It was well, well said, um, it intrigued me, but I, I have to say it was almost a little cookie cutter for me. Yeah. All right. Well, let's put that to the side here. And then we also got in, in the ISB, we got to see, uh, like, uh, major Blevin. I think like his name is, I don't know his name is actually is a title. As far as I know, his name is Blevin. He is running the sector that's in charge of Ferrix. So like he's dealing with the fallout from the premier stuff. So, the pre-war guys are there, so it's like Mosk is there. I think uh, Karn is there, and their boss is there. And like he's so pissed. Like you guys made me so much extra paperwork. Now we're directly getting involved in here. Like he basically demotes Karn, says you're no longer in charge of what you're doing here, and you're still have a job barely. So what do you think of this guy? Yeah, I thought it was good. I mean, you it's it's interesting. The first three episodes, you see these these three guys. You know, the whole. Uh, um, 
the I'm sorry. What's what's the what's the term for for the lower guys where Cyril Cyril is? Uh, they're the we, they, they work they work for Primor. Okay, so the Primor guys. I'm sorry. So yeah, we, call these them, we, call them, we call them the Star Wars Nova Corps. <laughs> the Star Wars Nova. Yeah, they look like the Star Wars Nova Corps. Uh, and you see them, and you think like, oh, these are like these are the bad these are bad guys. Like these are the baddest of the bad. Like they're corporate like security all this and then you just see them get reamed out by like the next level so i really i really like seeing that you kind of see how incompetent they are and low low on the food chain and i think we actually saw like our first bit of comedy in this show finally um because it's been a pretty dark show um where the guy raises his hand and he goes or i forgot what the question was but the guy raises his hand and um Blevin looks at him and he goes are you seriously like are you seriously raising your hand um so i enjoyed that um it was a cool scene and and so and it's it shows this guy's no nonsense um so i like i i really i'm enjoying like the politics between like the levels like the internal politics and obviously now like the it looks like they're contracting like corporations to do security for them so it's pretty interesting I did also laugh then when when the uh, supervisor guy was there last he was telling Karn to lay off. I was like, but I wasn't even there. And he, and it's like, why am I getting blamed? He's like, exactly. <laughs> that exactly. So That's funny. the problem. Because yeah. I think that was the guy from the first episode yep. where he was like, don't worry about it. We're, we're not taking care of this. And then now it's coming back to bite him in the ass. So, yeah, absolutely. here. And uh, Nick, we get the other side of this as well, where we see uh, Deidre is like, hey, like this Stark has stolen from my sector. I want to get involved in this. She goes to Blevin and tries to like. Basically, sends her assistant first and basically tries to get permission to investigate this based on that. He says no, and we get the sense that Blev is sort of lazy, doesn't want to get involved with all this extra work. And then they have this meeting at the end with Major Pendergrass, like Pendergrass. And I thought it was interesting how this played out, Nick. Yeah, I do too. I think personally that, because um, I know you talked about this, but I didn't get a chance to speak on it, was when Karn was like demoted or whatever. Yeah. I think he has a redemption arc written all over him where he's mad at them. And he's definitely going to join up with either with either Cassian or Luthen or even um, the. Uh, the circle, the blonde, the blonde haired girl. What's her name? Uh, Deidre. With Deidre. And then it wouldn't be a redemption arc, but I could see him doing one of those. They, I, I think he, he has a redemption arc written all over him, though, but. Back to their little conversation. It's it's funny how the Empire is being. This is the first of all. This is the most competent we've seen the Empire, I think, ever. Yeah. In the show, ever. But their draw, their flaw, their drawback is we're taught throughout Star Wars is to trust your instincts and trust your feelings and your gut and this and that. She has a gut feeling, and that's like what a gut feeling and that shows what's wrong with the empire and why they're the bad guys in in the in the in the universe because when she has the gut feeling it's thrown away like you're going off a gut feeling or as we're told rebellions are built on hope and stuff like that yeah and p i did it was interesting too with major cartograph like part like uh partograph i'm getting his name a lot but i'm gonna get it right by the end of the podcast basically he's saying like hey you know like you're overstepping here. Like he's got this sector. You don't need to get involved in this, but he does tell her at the end. So I'm like, Hey, like you do have some like good qualities in you. So like, just worry about your arena right now and work things better. You're like, interesting, especially considering like, she's really the only woman we see in this whole like, uh, upper level of the ISB security here. So I just think I see the power dynamics play out with that too. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I think it plays off of what Vin said, right? We're kind of seeing this like office mentality. We're seeing this, this hierarchy that we've never really seen in a, standard empire setting and the, the way the reason why i say standard empire setting is because we're not on 
you know, a galactic cruiser. We're not on a, a you know, a warship with Darth Vader and, and you know, and, uh, you know, Tarkin. It's, it's, it's you're in the office building nine to five kind of uh, theme. And I think the show was smart in keeping it grounded and keeping it like what maybe we would interact in the corporate world or how people would interact in the corporate world here in, in, in this reality, not in, the, not in the fantasy world that is Star Wars. So I think I think it was smart. It kind of connects you to the show and it makes you feel like, OK, I understand that. I understand what's going on. Yeah, Nick, I've also before we move on from this part of the storyline, I did think it was interesting. We get you get something you've been asking for a long time. We get to see Coruscant, the Age of the Empire, we get a little bit of like the shield stuff. I thought it was interesting that we do get a little bit of a Karn where he basically he goes down to like a sub level where we don't usually see much of those, and like he goes and meets his mother, gets slapped in the face, and then gets hugged and brought inside. So, what do you think of what we got from like that and like just Coruscant as a whole? I think we got some, but I want more. I know we're getting more, so I'm not I'm not impatient about it. I'll have to wait, but I, I want more. That was good, but that's to start. We got to see, like you said, a little underground area, whatever, and then we also got to see, you know, we'll get to it, Luthen's shop and and Mothma's house. We'll get to all that stuff, but we, it's a start. It's the first time we've seen Coruscant, besides that flashback in Kenobi, since 2005. And I feel like too, like the like I felt like this scene with his mom was also probably I was thinking out you thinking, oh, he's have some kind of like big like turnaround arc here. Yeah, I think if he was just going away, they wouldn't even showed it. The the fact that they showed it and show his like face and zoom in on it, it's like, okay, this guy wants revenge. Yeah. So whether he's gonna get that through working for the Empire and screwing them over, or working for the rebellion and screwing them over, I think one way or the other he's gonna screw them over. Yeah, for sure. Let's go ahead now. We'll go back to the Cassian storyline here, and we get to see basically at one point. I think Luthen just starts like setting up with this group with this uh, woman called Vel, who's leading a resistance, like a rebel cell, of, like six people at a specially assigned mission here. And I did think it was interesting Vin when he shows up, but like she is so ticked off when he shows up because he's like, "Oh, I didn't. You're giving me an extra guy on three days' notice. This makes no sense." And she basically saying like, "Like, why is he here?" He's like, "Oh, he's getting. I'm giving him two thousand dollars, two thousand credits." She's like. Like, this is like so he's a mercenary like we've been eating sticks over here and he's getting like and he's getting he's in for the money here so very valid point by vel what the what the situation is here is she game of thrones also yes yeah she's, she's the, the, the one the one yeah the annoying one yeah, yeah she's she's uh bravos <laughs> yeah okay um yeah I no thought, i i thought I, it was her i yeah she, she's good i uh i thought this was a good scene i i it shows like luthan he's not a ruthless guy he's not a bad guy but he but he will do what it takes to get the job done um in this case it was spending two hundred thousand credits on uh on a, on a mercenary if that's what you want to call it so i like this scene i liked how he kind of was just like you're wasting your breath you know you're gonna do it you know you need him like just stop stop complaining um i liked you know how they had uh cassian looking out um, from the ship wondering what they were arguing about and like understanding like obviously there's something you know there's a uh, there's power dynamic going on and there's like there's everything's not you know super you know hunky dory there so uh, I like this scene uh, it kind of showed like she doesn't take any shit either um, sorry we can, yeah, can we go, curse on yeah, this go ahead. Sorry. okay um, she doesn't take it either she um, she's just I think it was a good introduction to her, uh, to Vel. I think her name's Vel, right? Yeah. Um, and it also showed that Luthen, you know, the kind of person he is. He's not, 
he's not um, ruthless, but he but he's willing to do you know what he can to get the job done. And I, I think they did a good job developing him um, in this scene and this and in the show in general so far. Yeah, I think Cassie has the rest of the episode here sort of, you know, like work first he's going with Vel back to their group to sort of get the lay on the land here. And we, you see the rest of this uh, Rebel crew here. We got uh, Sinta Kaz, uh, Karis Nemec, uh, Arvel Screen, and, and uh, Taraman are the main sort of ones in the group. And we found, we see Lieutenant Gorn basically is the spy of the group where he's working for the Empire and he's sort of like bringing information back to this group. So like, what's the little cast of characters you got to meet here? Uh, so yeah, so I thought I thought it was good. I thought it it kind of I expected them to be more ragtag, honestly. Um, yeah. But I was happy to see that they knew, you know, they kind of had a plan. They knew what they were doing. Um, it was obvious. Like Cassian was trying to poke holes in their plan, and they kind of, um, you know, they had they had a a pretty good plan. Um, uh, I really liked. Um, I don't I don't know his name. He's from Black Mirror as well. Um, the, he was kind of like the I would say like nerdier guy in the group. Um, he was really good. Like I liked how he was very, his like he had like blind optimism. He was really he was the only one happy to have uh, Cassie in there because he was he was just kind of like, you know, we're focused on the goal. We want we need people like this. Um, so and so I really liked it. I thought it, I thought it was good. Um, and I also really liked that scene. I, I forgot whether it was like uh, this, the the. Um, the, the light that was they were talking about some sort of stellar event that's going to like kind of work into their plan i thought that was really cool i'm really hoping we get to see that i'm, I'm assuming we will um so it i i really like the scene yes yeah, mark my words the guy you like the happy-go-lucky jolly guy 100 percent will die during the day <laughs> <laughs> yeah <laughs> i was thinking the same thing he, he has to he, die he's... it makes perfect sense he reminds me of um Kind of reminds me of the one that John Favreau played in Solo. I believe his name is Rio. Yeah, it's like the happy-go-lucky, advice-giving, happy to have you kind of guy. He goes, and then you get a different perspective of this thing. Like, wow, they killed a good, I killed a good person. Yeah, and then you're like, okay, screw these guys. Yeah, there's and a yeah. Cassian involved. Interesting point there, uh, Nick brings up Pete because Lily, like, he's the one guy in the group of this of the group of six here. He's like, you know, what, like, cool, we have extra help, great, and like, and said, like he'll be the one that befriends Cassian first, and then like once he dies, you're gonna say, oh, like now, like he, my like, one advocate is gone. I do have to grace myself with the rest of these people. Yeah, I think it's gonna be a motivator for Cassian if he does die. I think you're gonna see, you know, and this is more like a future predictions and stuff, but I think you're gonna see um, Cassian make a bond with this specific character just because it was the only person to like welcome him with open arms, if you will. Um, yeah, I mean, just general thoughts about the group. I mean, I, I kind of get it and I kind of don't, you know, I understand that they have camaraderie and, and they've been working on this plan for months with just them. And then all of a sudden this random person comes in, but it's also like, all right, like someone's vouching for him, you know, there he's paying him handsomely for the job. I don't think he's going to put it in harm's way because he wants a payday and he wants to get the hell out of his situation. Uh, so yeah, it's like a back and forth with me. I don't know if I like them or hate that group. I, I gotta be honest, I'm very back and forth. Yeah, Nick, the whole thing with Cassie and like being like despised by was that was actually funny because you think about like I so we do the sports. I imagine like if you had like let's say like the Yankees were like overachieving, all of a sudden like they bring in this guy at the deadline, and everybody's like, we don't want him, we don't trust him, he's not gonna help us. That'd be so funny. Yeah, you could see that. I mean, I can't imagine six people were overachieving in yeah. that in that sense, but I could see that. Yeah, that's for sure here. And they do have this plan set up here, which Cassie basically describes a suicide mission. Van, which is like, hey, we're, hey, like we're gonna go like raid this thing. We're gonna steal like 
a bunch of credits from the Empire are going to invade an artillery, like an armory, basically. Like, as you mentioned, when they use a cover of a meteoric event, they have nine minutes to get in and out of the base. Like, I feel like that's going to be the, the heist episode is coming up next week or the two weeks from now. I do think that's going to be a lot of fun to see play out here. What do you think of the plans? Oh, I think it shapes up from what they were describing. Um, yeah, I mean, obviously something's going to go wrong. Um, but I, 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 like I said, I liked that they, that they thought it through. I like that this just wasn't some ragtag group of like idiots, honestly. Um, I think it's going to be visually, I think it's going to be awesome. Like when that, the meteoric event happens, I can't remember what they called it. The eye of something. I can't remember what it was called. Um, but I, I think it's going to be, I think it's going to be awesome. And I, I have a question, I guess, what are they actually stealing? They're actually stealing credits, right? Like when they say they're stealing the payroll, like they're stealing money, right? And that's that's what we that's what we mean, right? They're not stealing something, something else. Um, yeah, is that what you guys understood it to be? Yeah, Pete, that's what I sort of took it as too. Is basically like, oh, we need more money than like we can get our yeah. hands. We'll just steal from the empire and we'll just use their that's my their own money to beat them. Yeah, right, right. they also talked about what the garrison like yeah. for the armory, right? I mean that that was also part of their plan that Cassius yeah. wasn't aware of, so. They're they're looking for money and weapons. I mean, everything a rebellion needs, right? I mean, that's right. like uh, the telltale sign that this is the start of it. Um, but yeah, I mean, I bold move, right? A whole quarter's payroll, you know, quarter's worth of payroll for the entire empire or whatever that sector is. It's probably a, a good chunk of change. Yeah, yeah. Nick, who do you think is a more effective uh, mole here? Is it, I think Gorn's going to end up being more effective than Tala was in Obi Wan? Yeah, probably. Yeah. Assuming- I, think, I, think, I think the plan will work, but they'll lose a couple men along the way. I mean, it's also that I didn't mention the news that Tony Geroy has basically said, like, a lot of people are dying in this show. So we'll not be shy. At least three of these people do not make it out of this mission alive. I would I would agree. Yeah. I do think it's very interesting here. And I did also think, uh, Vin, that's the point here, is that basically Cassie's main job here is going to be, he's the pilot, basically. He's going to be the getaway driver for this thing. And he's they basically show him, oh, like, you're driving like this box ship or whatever. Like, it's supposed to be very slow. It's like, how are we getting out of here on that? It's one of the slowest ships in the fleet. So that's why they need a distraction of the uh, meteoric uh, events to sort of keep the Empire's eyes off what's going on. Yeah, I think it's going to be, I think it's, yeah, I think it's going to be cool. Um, I was, yeah, it makes sense because I was wondering why they needed him. I, I'm still, I'm still, there's still something missing here for me uh, that I think we're going to find out about Aunt, uh, Cassian um, because it's, is what like we still don't understand what he was doing in the first three episodes uh besides like trying to sell that um the the imperial you know box um so i'm interested to see like what his bigger role is and why um um was so uh luthan was so interested in him so yes i think i think it's going to be interesting to see how this plays out Uh, anything else anyone wants to add on the uh cassian team is where i leave there where it's basically okay you know like you're going to study the mission tonight. You're going to treat your arm. You're going to eat like that's like this or where we leave them. Anything you want to add anything else we missed from the, this group or no? Nothing on I think, them. I can't wait to get to the next part. Yeah, I think the only thing I want, want to add is um, the the secrecy of Luthen. Like they can't even talk to the group about Luthen. Like it's all this like and, you, and we'll obviously talk about it when we get to the next part about Mon Mothma. But like the sec- the secrecy that's needed just to pull this off, I thought was interesting. Like they can't even talk about him within their group. So it's all compartmentalized. Like you can't only know some. You can only sell the information. Otherwise, the whole operation can get blown. Exactly. Yeah. 
Now let's go back now. We'll go back a little bit to Luthen, where we after he drops Cassian off, he starts heading to Coruscant, and Pilo is interesting where we see him on his ship basically transforming himself into a whole new character. He puts the wig on, he's doing all the rings, the fancy clothes, he's doing a little practice his own little swap movement. So you see Luthen obviously like Stellan Scarzar was eating was basically like eating the scenery when he was doing that, but that was fun seeing like how he's basically the chameleon here is just changing his skin based on who he's with. Yeah, he, he gets into character, right? I thought that was a really cool thing to see where he's actually like, practicing his his movements and his mannerisms and stuff like that. And uh, it makes sense. He takes it seriously. He wants to make sure he can play both sides of the coin and not get caught. So it makes sense. It's, it, was a, it was a good scene. Good scene. And Nick, we do find out that he owns a shop on Coruscant that sells, that sells artifacts and stuff. So he's getting in there. He gets ready for work. He's on assistant. And then all of a sudden... Mon Mothma is here, and she's ready to shop. She's buying her husband a gift for their days, for her, what's his day of days celebration or something like that? Yeah, so this scene and the scene back at Mon Mothma's house, which is after this, are my two favorite scenes probably in any live-action Star Wars we've seen, TV show. Yeah. This was an unbelievable scene, and so was the next one. I, I want to go into detail on every single artifact in that room. Yes. But let me know when you want to get there. You might not want to get there yet. We can talk about what happens there first. We can talk about the artifacts because, I mean, she gets there and he's like telling her, oh, like I have like all these cool like trinkets or your husband likes war stuff. So like talk about some of the stuff that you saw in the room. All right. So the first thing you see is um, Plo Koon's breathing mask is in that room that he wears on his face to breathe. I don't know how he got that considering he'd blown up in a ship. You also get the Gungan shields from the Phantom Menace are in the background there. There is Mandalorian armor, presumably Jango Fett's. I, I don't know. Could be anyone's, I guess. Could be any Mandalorian armor. There's the helmet from the Wookiee who led the attack in Revenge of the Sith on Kashyyyk. There is the, the heirloom that is passed down between Hera's family from Rebels. There's the World Between Worlds mural from the season four of Rebels. There is, and the big, the, the biggest one is Star Killer from the Force Unleashed. His armor is in the background. In there, and then also behind Luthen's head when he's talking to Mon Mothma, which is clear symbolism, is a Jedi holocron and a Sith holocron, showing that he's playing both sides. So that room was like, that was incredible. And I think there might have been even more too that I didn't pick up on or something. But I, I, yeah, the thing that he held up to her. Yeah. That's something, but I don't know what that is. Yeah, Vin, for a show that's prized off on not having many cameos and stuff like that, this is a very fun way to start to satisfy the fans, all the Easter egg stuff. Yeah, it was. I was getting really annoyed in the other shows of the fan service was just so obvious. Um, and I think they're doing really well in this show. Um, like I noticed a lot of the stuff too. I, mostly I noticed that that giant set of armor that kind of looked like sa- samurai armor, Nikki. So I guess that was, That's was Star that the Star Killer. Yeah, that was really cool. Um, and I also, you know, I like like we talked about the the um, connection to Han Solo, like um, on um, you know during the during during the the muddy war planet. I can't remember what it was called. But like stuff like that, that's cool because that rewards like people like Nick, like who really, you know, really dig into uh, the Star Wars lore and uh, mythology. Um, it doesn't just wave it in your face. So um, I, I I loved it. And I was trying to look around, too. And and I thought it was cool. Just this idea of like these 
this like gallery or antique shop in the middle of Coruscant. Um, so I, I really like this scene as well. It also reminds me of Dryden Voss's office in Solo. He had a lot of artifacts in his office as well. At the end, and you're in there's office multiple times, but he has the Mandalorian armor in there and daggers, and he had like a statue that was shaped like C-3PO, and I mean, it obviously wasn't meant to be C-3PO, but it was shaped like that. It, that I love, I just love that so much. Yeah, and Pete, we do get the scene here where Mon Mothma shows up. She's got cat like uh, Luthen knows. Oh, we got a new driver today, and like she's looking for the artifact. He's like, oh, I got something in the back to show you. So they go to the back, and basically like Luthen's talking to her, like, hey, like. I need more credits. Can you get it more? And she's like, the issue is not that like, I can't get the credits. The issue is that I have, it's part of me to move them because there's new spies in the Senate every day. And like, you can tell like they have a working relationship, but at the same time, like she is terrified right now what's going on with the, with the empire. Yeah. I think that it's important, right? I think it's an important scene that that is happening there. I think it's probably the most important scene of the whole, probably the whole show, right. To come. I think this is kind of the start of it. And you kind of see that, relationship between Luthen and Moth Mama. Uh Mama, excuse me. They did a backwards there. Yeah. Uh and uh I, I like the dynamic and I think it humanizes the characters of Star Wars a bit. I wasn't really a uh Mon Mothma fan prior to this. Uh her character is kind of making me flip, you know, like maybe I do like the character a little bit more seeing her in this setting and not the setting that we're used to seeing her in the movies. Um, but I do have to say, I, it's, it's almost like Luthen's not threatening her, but it's like, she's not like, he's running this thing. She's just supplying and he's, it's almost like a, like a, I don't know, like a, I don't want to say like a mafia thing, but it's like, Hey, you're supposed to get me this stuff. Why aren't you getting me this stuff? You're supposed to do it. What are you doing? I'm waiting on, I'm waiting on it and it's not happening and she's getting scared. And I feel like she's scared from the empire's perspective and also scared of Luthen at the same time, even though she's you know, working towards the same cause as him. So it was definitely an interesting dynamic. Nick, what do you think about that scene specifically in the back room where they're talking about this and they say, oh, like, talk about the circle and Mama says, I got somebody else who can help me with this. And Luthen's like, no, don't bring more people into this. I want people I can trust. So like, very interesting dynamic when he basically voiced Andor on this, his relative group. He doesn't want more people, Mama to bring more people in. And he seems to trust Cassian for some reason that we're not really fully aware of because he knows so much about Cassian and we still haven't really found out why. So that's an interesting thing. And I, I love that Mon Mothma was, I love that they brought the dynamic. They didn't have to do this at all. They could have just made it so her driver was her usual driver, but bringing in the driver that's new, that way the meeting is in the back because she doesn't fully trust the driver just adds an element that they didn't have to add. But it makes me wonder now, who's this driver? Is he a spy? Does he know something's up with Mon Mothma? And if he's a spy, that means someone knows something's up with Mon Mothra to hire him as the spy. So her little shenanigans in the Senate have not gone unnoticed. Yeah, and then I feel like this is a going to be a breakout series for Mon Mothra because this character has been around since the 80s. I mean, she shows up in, in Return of the Jedi where she's the leader of the Rebellion. We get her a little bit in, in uh, Rebels. She shows up a little bit. She's in Clone Wars a tiny bit. She's in Rogue One but not really doing much. So, like, Actually, see his character actually do things and being like like working in the background here. I thought that was pretty cool. Yeah, I thought it was cool too. I think it's um yeah, it's interesting because like you said, she I think I think they cut out all her speaking parts in Attack uh, Attack of the Clones, right? Yeah. Or um Revenge, or of, the Revenge of the Sith. I'm sorry, Revenge of the Sith. Um, and it's kind she's not on. It's not like a direct comparison, but she's kind of like 
like a Boba Fett, like like she like was barely barely in the sh- like barely had a part, but there was like this mythology around her, and everyone loved this character. So um, you know, I think they're gonna build on this. Um, I really liked the scene too, um, just to kind of see her, you know do something i thought it was i thought it was awesome we kind of see you know her we see her husband in this scene we see you know everything that goes along with being a rebel spy or um working with the rebellion so i think it was cool and uh nikki to what you were saying about the um the driver i thought that was a cool um add-on because it really shows how paranoid everyone should be it's like she doesn't she can't trust anyone like and um it it made it made to me it made the scene and the show feel super claustrophobic because you had this you know you had she can't even trust her driver and then you have vel with the rebels she or uh she can't even tell them that she's working with luthan so it made everything it like raised the stakes on the show for me because now you can't trust anyone new that that comes onto the scene so i really liked it and it was such a like it was like it wasn't really a throwaway, but it was like a very small thing that added a lot to the show, in my opinion. Yeah, Pete. Before we move, go to meet her husband, and he, I got thoughts on him, by the way. But before we get there, I want to talk about like real quick. There's a lot she mentions here about how like I have somebody who can help me move the money. I can bring them into the circle, and like, and this is where Luffy's like, I don't know. I'm Pete, I'm I'm very cautious about this. I don't trust people. I know. Do you think this is another new character? Is somebody we met before? This person she's recruiting to help her move the money. <sighs> you know. I don't know because I mean we've we've talked about this prior to the show happening where they say they don't want to do cameos or there's not gonna be cameos. I don't know if that's the throw the scent off the trail and it's going to be a cameo of someone we know, or if it's just gonna be this random character that we've heard of and now we're finally seeing on screen or we've never heard of before and it's just like boom, random character. I don't know. Um I would like to hope it's a cameo of some sort, but the way the show is going, I, I can't really see it being anyone that we already know. Yeah, Nick, I think that's going to be fun for sure. I also want one I forgot about, too, that she mentioned here is that, like, another thing for any of the paranoia is, like, every time I go to the bank, there's somebody new to handling the money. So, again, the paranoia really builds here. Like, the Empire we know from Clone Wars controls the banks, and they they took, like, I think Palpatine got control of it, I think, in Season 6 in that one arc we talked about here. So, that they're constantly switching out who's handling the money. It's, again, to sort of keep tabs on who's making movements. Definitely. Yeah. Definitely, completely agree. But I honestly, I can't wait to get to the next scene. I think it was on. It was so good, and I want to talk about it now. Yeah, absolutely. Let's go to now. Mon Mothma basically she gets like this one item. Is like, oh, like and like, oh, like I don't know if he'll like this. And she's and Cat Luthan speaks and comes like, hey, like turn back. Like offers throws some phrase like you can return it. Like whatever. And then we see her go to her house, and her husband is there planning like a some sort of big party the imperial governor going on there and vin like i could not stand this guy he sucks muted vin sorry i thought i hit on mute yeah he felt like a um what's the word like a like a disguise for mon mothma like um like she married him to kind of as like cover because yeah. he's such a douche and he's like very into like the bureaucracy and whining and dining the empire that like he's so over the top that like it disguises her because it's because it, people would think, well, why is she mar-? like she can't be a spy. She's married to this guy who's literally obsessed with the empire and is having, you know, high up, um, you know, em- 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 uh, empire um, uh, po- political figures like for dinner so that's what i think that you're, you're supposed to hate him and you're also supposed to think why is she with him and then the more i thought about it i was like oh well it makes sense it's it's 
it's a cover. It's like, uh, you know, it's a disguise. So I, I liked it. He, he's a douche. I, I couldn't stand him. Yeah. And Pete, speaking of uh, her husband, Perrin here, he's, he's like, like, oh, like, why didn't you tell me you're having these people over? Like, a lot of them can't stand me and do these things. Like, oh, like, don't worry. I'll just sit on the other the table here. So, like, I was saying your situation here, like, if you tried doing that to your girlfriend, I don't think that would go very, go over very well. No, no. But I mean, the guy, the guy, like I'm saying, he's just, he's just not a good person. Um, I think it's one of those things where he was in the Senate as, you know, part of the Republic and they were all fine and dandy. Then when the Empire took over, he just, he agreed with what the Empire was doing, right? Just, uh, people take sides. And I feel like most of the Senate, based upon what we see in like the movies and stuff, most of the Senate are for the Empire. Maybe out of fear, maybe out because they agree with it. But I don't know. I feel like most of the senators are like like him. Yeah, and Nick, I know you've been waiting to weigh in on this scene. You might uh, go for I'm it. dying to talk about it. Yeah, so go for it. So I don't think you, maybe because you haven't picked you mentioned it, you haven't picked up on who the who, who I'm on, on it yet. The names that he rattles off here are huge names, especially one of them. The first name he rattles off here is Ars Danger, who is just an advisor to the emperor. He's in presumably in it's not confirmed that it's him similar to like Rex and return of the Jedi. Yeah. It's he's in return of the Jedi. It's one of those guys standing there with his arms like this and Palpatine tells him to leave. And then they leave. They're like talking to him and, and the death star. First of all, I've been wanting to know about those guys since I was like, since I was like 12 years old. So I can't less since I was like six years old. So I can't wait to hear more about this guy. But the huge name of the day that it's been storming the internet is he mentioned Sly Moore. If you don't know who Sly Moore is, type her in the browser right now. I call a picture up of her. Yeah, Sly Moore is the special advisor to the emperor who sits on the throne with him in the middle of the Senate. The bald lady, him, Masimata, and Sly Moore, meaning, sh and she's a Force-sensitive human. She knows the emperor's true intentions as Palpatine. She is essentially a Sith. Not really. Not actually like a Sith, but the well, fact that she's going to be at this dinner I'm, is... I'm throwing it up now for people. So it's it's unbelievable that she's going to be at this dinner. That is one of the craziest things I've ever heard, that she's going to be in this show, I would assume. She's not. I'd be really upset. You know? and, and in this dinner. So you, you, if you can go to Google Images of her and find a picture of her on the Senate with Palpatine and Masamata. Yeah, she's... The, the, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll stop sharing the screen for a second here and try and do that. So, yeah, so she is the main advisor, the, the mistress, if you will. She is force sensitive. And these are the people that she's going to be dealing with at this dinner. And you could tell, I mean, if there's anyone who's more of a Palpatine supporter in the world, I don't know who it is. This might be the biggest Palpatine supporter possible. And you're going to have the biggest Palpatine hater. At the same dinner table, her and Ma and um, Mon Mothma. So this is like unbelievable stuff. And I mean, I think if you're getting her, you're getting Masimada. And I do believe we are going to get Darth Sidious. Yeah. So here's the shot from uh, looks like Revenge of the Sith. This is where this comes from here. And uh, you know, yep. I, I saw the Google search I was looking for that she's in the box when Anakin shows up in Revenge of the Sith. He has he has her lead with Masimada when he before he tells him the story. Of Darth Vader. Yeah. She's also at his side when he does the proclamation of the New Order when he converts the Republic into the empire. And basically she's one of the few people who knew of Palpatine's true identity as Sidious. Yeah. Besides, yeah. I guess Anakin, Masimata, and maybe Tarkin, probably even not. Yeah. That's about it. So we're getting, we're not just getting like a random Imperial Senator. We're getting like 
I don't know, what would you say, third in command? Yeah, I'd say like definitely number three of like sand operations. Yeah, so I think this is huge. Yeah, P, any thoughts on this? Yeah, I mean, I didn't pick up on the name, so thank you, Nick, for educating us and at least in me in that because I didn't I didn't realize that was her. Um, it's interesting, right? I mean, and I have I have my thoughts about this scene that I'll get to when we talk about the overall how the how the episode was. Um, but it, I, I think this is probably one of the more intricate scenes when it comes to the moving pieces of it, right? There's a lot of different characters, a lot of different dynamics that could happen when we actually have the dinner. Um, so to hear the names is very cool and to see like, okay, we're going to have a very maybe heated dinner. We're going to learn a lot of stuff that we didn't know. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think, I think that's pretty cool. I, I, like I said, I didn't recognize that that was her and that she would be in, in on this, uh, this dinner plan. I have two things to add. One, I really hope this dinner is better than the dinner in Boba Fett. What about the dinner in Obi-Wan when uh, bail up with the Organa dinner? That was a good dinner. Yeah. That was a good dinner. And two is when you look at this girl, Slime more. What could she possibly sound like? Very good question. Is she going to be like a human sound? I would imagine a very, excuse my language, a very bitchy woman. <laughs> what I'm expecting to hear. That's what I'm expecting to hear. Yeah. Maybe she sounds like one of the Uda Powans, like, like we saw like in episode three. Maybe. I mean, isn't that her species? I think so. She might sound like the guy we Obi Wan met in episode three. Oh no, no, she's a Baron. So maybe a cousin of that species. Maybe you know, look up where they're from. Maybe it's like maybe it's like the Romulans and Vulcans of Star Trek. I mean, it's that kind of deal. They're from the planet Umbara, 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 which I can say is from nothing that we've seen. A bunch of books and comics and whatnot. A couple Clone Wars episodes. Yeah, uh, Vin, you want anything else from this uh, scene with uh, her husband, or are you, are you uh, good on that? Yeah, no, I'm good. I, I I figured these were important people, so I went and looked it up, and I saw, and I remember, you know, both those guys standing next to uh, Palpatine. Um, so it'll, I'm hoping, I'm, I'm with Nick, I'm hoping we get to see them. Uh, I think it'll be super interesting. And this is not like a fan service to me, because it's kind of, so it's more Organic. out there, like I said, so I think it'll, I think it'll be good. Yeah, and I think this fits the MOP they talk about. Like, they're not bringing these characters to say, oh, look who's here. It's like if they're organic to the plot, they're showing up. Yeah, I, I think that's fair. And I think that's how shows should be and movies should be, not just let's just throw a face in there just because. Um, yeah, it looks like it, it's in that right direction. Yeah, absolutely here. I think, we, I think we're a good spot to sort of wrap up the episode here. We've got to cover all the main points here. Let's start going to some of this trackers do every week here. And. Vin, I don't know if you're aware, we do a character we do a character draft preseason in terms of uh, what characters think are going to show up on the show. There's a Funko Pop on the line here. So this is the current draft board here. And obviously, as you know, we've gotten no points yet so far from any of our teams here. Like, of these three squads, again, my team is Bail Organa, C-3PO, and uh, Director Krennic. Nick's team is Palpatine, General Draven, and Ahsoka. Pete's team is Jyn Erso, Harris, and Duel, and Agent Callis. Like, which team do you think has the best chance to actually score some points here? I think uh, I think it's between uh, Mike and Nick. Sorry, Pete. <laughs> I, I just with Bale and uh, Palpatine on there. I think and and even Krennic could make an appearance. Um, so I think it's either Mike or Nick. Yeah, I do feel like Nick was right earlier that like 
the ISB being introduced at Plot Element does really help Pete a lot because at this point, Pete was sort of hoping, like, okay, if if Jin is Urso is there and they meet Sada Guerrero, that was his only chance to get points otherwise. And they also mentioned Ryloth. Just putting that out there. Yeah, you got a lot of mentions. Yeah. Putting it out there. I'm getting, like, partial points, even though I'm not getting points. After four episodes of this show, I think the least likely character to show up is Ahsoka. And that's agree. on my team, so. I would agree with that. Like, you're, I feel like, your hope is, like, if they introduce Draven in like the sec in the next arc, and he's like the next, he's like a secondary character for most of the show. Like that would be, I think, your best chance to win this thing. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm next to positive. I'm going to get a point for Palpatine, but I think I'm only going to get one. Yeah, he's so like, he's is one enough? We'll see. Not. We'll see because I feel like I am guaranteed to get at least one bail point. I'm hoping C three goes there with him, and then I get two. Yeah. All right, so that's the you, you you got like the quarterback wide receiver combo in fantasy. Yes, as I did, I do, I doubled down on the on the uh, quarterback and receiver from Alderaan. Yeah. All right, so that's the character draft. That's where we are right now. We also do our trackers every week. Key tracker here, going here, and Nick once again, no Hondo. I'm still call, I do not think we're getting Hondo the show. I'll keep mentioning until he shows up. Well, we'll see him eventually. If not this show, the next show. If not this show, the next show indeed. Here and Pete. Cameo trackers, once again, uh, nothing on either front, but I feel like that's going to change very soon if Nick's information is correct. Yeah, I think we're going to get something, uh, hopefully next episode. Um, but, yeah, pretty dry right now for the for the first four. I also did mention off-air, I'll mention on-air too, that whenever Sawyer shows up, he does trigger the animated character cameo. So, Yep, he appeared animated first. Yeah, so he triggers that one when he shows up here. So next up on the trackers here, we're going to Planets here, and... Then we're up to five plans we visited on this show right now. Morlana one, Ferrix, and Canary last week. And this week we've got Coruscant and Aldani. So five plans. It's a lot which we're really outpacing Boba Fett at this point. Yeah, I, I think it's cool to see like I said, I, I, the world building's crazy. Um, and I think this is a far, far better show than Boba Fett. So I have high <laughs> hopes. Yeah. Um and uh yeah, I'm interested to see where where we go next. Yeah, I think this tracker would have been at one through four episodes, Nick, if on Bo- on Boba Fett. And the final answer was two, right? Oh, no, probably three, because Mando went to a couple places, right? Yeah, Mando was on the wheel world, and he was on, like, the, the like whatever planet Luke's temple was on. So I think the final yeah. answer was in three. Yeah, so we're already, we already beat Boba Fett. Planet. We already did beat Boba Fett here. The classic line tracker, Pete, this is another zero here. I think eventually we'll, we might get one, but I think we're getting only one. Yeah, we'll probably get one at the end or something like that. I, I don't... I'm leaning more towards zero right now because it just seems like such a unique show, but it, it could happen. Yeah, I'm trusting you on that one because I, I have no idea if they're saying these lines or not. Like, yeah, you're the one marking that down. If you said there were four today, I would have believed you. Yeah, because I feel like I'm, we're going to get one made of force with you somewhere in there. When, when Vader shows up. <laughs> I, I don't think any Jedi are going to show up in this series. I think it's very, it's going to be very... Uh, Normal people. Nor- yeah, exactly. Yeah, I don't think focused. so either, but I think that they're they're paving the way for a lot of these people to come, like Vader and Tarkin Season and two. Krennic and Palpatine, and all these people could show up, and I wouldn't be surprised. But the way the show is going, I don't think any of them will. I think well, s- if Palpatine... Sorry, go ahead, Mike. I say season two is one of gets to see all the bigger names. Yeah, the show is more than one season. Yeah, yeah that's true. Yeah, if Palpatine shows up, he's gonna he's not gonna be like in like I think he'd be a hologram in the Senate for like a minute. Yeah. Exactly. Like you're not gonna see any Jedi stuff. Yeah, and last but not least here, Vin, I think you'll like this one. We have the Andor kill count going. Can you track out people Andor kills? So he killed the two of them from here. 
feel like we're going to update this one probably soon. I feel like they'll kill at least one or two stormtroopers on the next mission. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Uh, he needs. He needs to. Uh, those are those are rookie numbers. He needs to get those up. Yeah, this is not. He's not. He's no chopper there, Nick. No chopper's at what 50,000? 50, 50, Over fifty thousand. Over fifty thousand. Yeah. All right. So that's our trackers here. Next up here, we're going to go to our MVP and LVP section here on the podcast. So we take a look here at where things stand after week one of the thing here last week. Uh, Nick, Pete, and I have three MVP points and three LVP points here. So. The four as it stands here, Cassian Andor is the leader at plus five. Luthen is in second at plus two. Marva Andor, for me, gets plus one. Bix Kaylee is literally at zero because her MVP point from Nick got, out, got canceled by an MVP point from Pete. The two Primor Stooges are on the board as negative one. Those guys, Cassian, killed. Tim with two M's is negative two. And Deputy Inspector Karn is bringing up the rear here at negative five. So that's the current board here. So... Ben, as our guest, we'll go here first. Here, who is your MVP of the episode? Uh, my MVP was definitely Luthen. I think this this episode, he uh, he just he he had such a good he had, he had a great episode. He was uh, he laid down the law with Vel. Uh, he convinced you know he pulled out the Kyber crystal, convinced uh, Cassian to join the cause, even though Cassian originally didn't want to. Um, he, he's a master of disguise apparently. And, uh, you know, I love, I loved that scene where he, you know, where he put on his wig and like was practicing. I thought it was so cool. Um, uh, so he's, he's definitely the MVP of the episode for me. Uh, Nick, your MVP. So all, all day I had in mind that it was going to be Luthen and I have no issue with Luthen's character. I think Luthen is my second choice if I had to, but I'm going to give it to Mon Mothma for the fact that we have more Mon Mothma in this episode alone than we've ever had in Star Wars combined. And I think she kills the role. I think it's fantastic. And the fact that she knew, like that we mentioned earlier, the new driver, I got to keep her secretive, this kind of thing. And talking to her husband the way she does, which I'm assuming she'll divorce by the end of the show or something, or <laughs> he'll die. Um, I just think that she did a great job in the episode. And it's awesome to see him on my, because like Vin said, it's a character we didn't really know much about, but, Everyone knew her, and now we're learning about her. All right, P, who's your MVP? My MVP is going to be Luthen, pretty much for everything that Vin said. But I also want to, I don't want to say give an honorable mention, but just from Mon Mothma's performance and the actress that plays Mon Mothma, I feel like that's going to be my favorite character if that trend stays throughout the show. And I was the first one to say, I think she's just going to be boring the whole show. Uh, so if that trend stays and, and we still get that kind of Mon Mothma the whole show, I think she's going to be a strong character. Yeah, I believe I was, I was the first on the Mon Mothma is going to be very important to the show bandwagon, so I'm very happy that she has. And, and I'm going to join Nick, give her an MVP point, say, because very aware of her surroundings here. She's very quick to offer solutions to potential problems that Luthen has with the plans here. She's very sta- very cagey. She asserts herself when her husband is doing stupid things, so good job all around by Mon Mothma. Now yeah, we'll, I agree. She's great. We'll go the other way now. We'll go to the LVP here. So, Pete, start us off here. Who is your LVP of the episode? Uh, I don't know. I uh, I feel like there's no one in the episode that's like, wow, you just did such a horrible job. I mean, I, I can I can say uh, probably Mon Mothma's husband. I don't like him, so we'll give him an LVP. Yeah, so Perrin, yeah, he's getting on the board. Uh, Vin, who's your LVP? 
you got to give it to Karn this week, getting slapped by his mother in front of everybody <laughs> when he goes home. I mean, as soon as Nick told me yesterday, he was, or I think it was a few days ago, he was like, all right, be ready. Like, Mike's going to ask you your MVP and your LVP. Think of this while you're watching the show. And as soon as I saw that, I was like, no, nah, this is it. There's no, there's not going to be another LVP in this show for the rest of the episode. So definitely Karn. Yeah. I mean, that's pretty hard to come back from Pete. Yeah, it, it is. It is. Uh, it was a good smack too. Really gave it to him. Uh, Nick, who's your LVP? So I feel bad for Perrin and Karn because I feel like, for example, I know Vin ended up giving his point to Karn this week, but the fact that he was at negative five, now at negative six with Vin's point, I feel like he's not going to be the worst character in the show, but he's going to end up being last on our list because he's, he's going to have a redemption arc and probably going to end up being pretty cool. He kind of looks like Ramsey Bolton. I've been saying that. I feel like he's kind of cool. He's, he's kind of cool, and and at the and by the end, not now, but by the end, he'll be kind of cool. So I, I feel bad, but I'm gonna give my LVP to Blevin of the IBS or <laughs> yep. uh, ISB. Yeah, and I think he's just that awful coworker people have, and he sucks and he's annoying. And I and obviously my runner-up would be um, the husband, but I, I there's something more to him. Yeah. Yeah, Blevin is also very lazy too. It also does get because like he was always talking about like all he did is make, make extra work for me. Yeah, I think there's nothing more to Blevin than what we see, and I think there might be more to uh, Perrin. Yeah, I'm gonna join uh, Pete here and just dunk on Perrin because this guy sucks. Like I know that like he might be like the beard from On Matha where she's just, he's just she's with him to sort of like cover her own tracks here, but like. Literally, his response, like, the way he talks to her, he's like, oh, you know, like, don't feel bad. Like, I'll put you on the boring end of the table. I'll talk to all the full fun people here. I know he's associate senator, too, but, like, the way he treats his wife is, like, god-awful. And, like, that that gets LVP status for me. All right, next up here, we're going to grade the episode on a scale from 1 to 10. 1, you absolutely despise it. You couldn't, you couldn't wait to turn it off. 10 is basically the... The apex of Star Wars cinema here. So, uh, and as I as I always tell our guests when we're here in school, they say seventy five is a C is average. Here, a seven and a half is a five is average. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. So just keep that in mind when you're grading. Don't say oh it was average. It was a seven. No, a seven is pretty good. Five is average. Yeah. So since you have these, let's lay the scale marks. Give us your grade first. My grade is an eight. Okay. And the episode was really, really good. I loved everything about it. It was just a little non-action-y, and I think that brings it down from a 10 to an 8, because when I watch these shows, I want some action, and I still love the episode in every way, and I think it's setting up for something great, and the show as a whole is setting up for stuff great. I think that this is the best written, directed, acted, produced show that Disney's ever done, and I mean that over The Mandalorian even. It's not a better show than The Mandalorian, but I think all that stuff it is better. But the only issue is it's a little bit slow and not a lot of action. Yeah. I'm going to give it a 7. I'll match my score from lastly because what we lost in the action department, I feel like we made up for the world building and sort of, you know, getting to know all these characters and, like, seeing different motivations behind people and these interactions that were all very interesting. Because, like, I was, like, even though there was not a lot happening in terms of, like, action-wise, I feel like I was glued to the screen to seeing how these people interact with each other and learning how these different facets of Imperial Society work together. So that was a Seven for me. So again, very good. Like not top tier. I don't think we're there yet. But Pete, I know you were not the biggest fan of this episode. So what's your grade on it? Yeah, I'm giving this one a five. I'm going to call it dead in the middle. And and I, 
understand that not every episode is going to have action, but I feel like there are better ways to world build than to have it be boring. And I was kind of bored in the episode. It was very interesting. All the content's important. You know, I want to make sure that's clear. I think the acting by Mon Mothma was uh, phenomenal, but nothing really happened. We didn't get the dinner. We just heard about the dinner. We didn't get the the actual thing that happens, the, the, the mission. We just got, oh, we're, we're just annoyed that you're joining the mission. Here's the mission. And like, oh, you should just uh, read up on this. And, and it, the screen goes black. And Mom Mothma, like, I'll get you the money. Okay. And then there's no really consequence. I understand that this is super important and it's going to be important for the show, but as a standalone episode on a week to week basis where I'm watching this and now I have to wait another week, I feel like nothing really happens that says, except for like the dinner. I'm uh, like, I'm not really excited to see about the mission until I see the mission. It's like, okay, whatever. We'll see the mission next week. It doesn't really build anything up for me. So that's why I just give it an average five. All right. So Vin close out on the grades. Yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to give this episode an eight. Um, I loved it. I I, th- I think the first three episodes could have been its own movie. Like it was just, it was like the Batman begins of like, and, or, you know what I mean? And that now the show's getting into its stride. We're seeing the bigger picture. I think it depends on what you're looking for out of this show too. Right. Um, like for me, I'm always looking to build, build out star Wars. Like I want to, I want more uh, and see what, what, what the world um has to, has to offer but i also kind of want a connection to the original which i think this show has obviously through rogue one so um i think it was great all the points we hit on um the world building is my favorite part mike so i think that's that's why we get an eight we finally see like what is going on like what the we're, we're getting a peek into the bigger plan um and i i hope it's gonna pay off and you know all of this slow build is gonna pay off so i see the potential in this episode i really liked it so i'm gonna give it an eight all right, there you go. An eight from Vin. So that rounds out here again. I'm not revealing the grades right now. I don't want to be influenced by what we did the previous week. So every week we've been doing right. it since Boba Fett. We've been after Boba Fett. We said, okay, independent thought on just this episode we're watching here. So at the end of the season, then we're going to reveal how everybody's grades are. So we're going to see what these episodes are all rank at the end of the year. Yep, awesome. Like that. That's how it should it. be. Yep. All right, last but not least, predictions for next week here. And we do have some stuff to work with here. So I'll kick us off here. I'm going to say... We get the dinner at Mon Mothma's this next week. We're going to see, I think Slymore is going to show up with the dinner, and we're going to see some people interacting here. I think we get the we get the raid started here. I think we're going to end up spe- see a couple days forward. We're going to see them invade this thing, and then we're going to, because the cliffhangers would be they could run to a problem in the mission. That's really going to be where they, we get cut off. Like maybe they're running behind their timetable. I say we get the dinner on Coruscant, and we get the, to- and we get the mission started, and they hit, it, hit a speed bump. So I'll go to you next, Pete. What's your prediction for next week? Yeah, I'm pretty much with you. I think the episode's going to end with that mission speed bump, and then the third episode's going to end the arc of what are they going to do and what's going to happen to get the the mission completed. Um, I think that it's going to be the entire episode's going to be pretty much what we saw today, uh, where half of it's going to be Coruscant, half of it's going to be mission. I think that's what we're sticking with, and I think that's going to lead into a third episode, which is mainly mission. I think that's how it's going to go when it comes to the arc. Yes, I think obviously I think you agree. I think like we'll get we'll get our loot next week at the dinner. I think that's where he's gonna show up. Yeah, I think I think you know who knows. I, maybe Luthen shows up to dinner because Mom Moth was like, I need someone in my court there. Yeah. I, I don't know. Maybe we get one of those or Bail Organa or Bail Organa. I mean, there's there's a there's a couple of things that can happen that would make that dinner interesting. Um, but I mean, it's just kind of like. I don't want to say this next episode's a layup, but I feel like they didn't really leave anything to suspense. It was just like, we're setting it up so you know what's going to happen next week. 
All right, Vin, what's your prediction? Yeah, I agree with both you guys. Um, Originally, I thought, you know, next episodes, they're just going to get this heist over with. Um, I don't think it's going to be a full season type heist. Like, I think it's going to be over within the next two episodes. Um, I I didn't even think about the dinner. Um, If that happens, I agree with you guys. It's going to be exciting. So, um, so yeah, I'm I'm on the same page. I think it's going to be split between you might have the dinner in the beginning of the episode and then mission for the rest for the next two. So. Um, yeah, I'm excited. I'm excited to see what happens. And Nick, rap, anything you want to add to this or are you good with what we have so far? Uh, there is one thing I want to add. So those of you in the audience or here, remember when we were doing our predictions for Boba Fett, I kept saying the same thing every week until it became true and it actually never became true. So I'm going to carry it on here. Dinner at Mon Mothma's. Bosk will be there. That's what <laughs> I said every week that Bosk will be there. He was not there. So, so write it down. Bosk will be at the dinner. And um, I think that the heist is actually going to happen in the next episode, but it's not going to finish. I think we're going to stop the episode after like a death or like a like they open a door and it's like, oh, my God, it's you. Like something like like the hippo and in in Moon Knight. Yeah. Like, you know, know what I'm talking about, like something something like that where I think. Yeah. So I think they'll start the heist, but they won't finish the heist and the heist will finish in episode six. All right, there you have it. That's this week's episode of The Sky. Guys, we'll be back next week. Another guest is going to be joining us here. Vin, thanks for coming on with us. I really appreciate it. If you have any social media handles you want to give out, or you just, uh, want, just enjoying the ride. I'm, I'm social media free. So, uh, but Mike, thanks for having me. I'm really, uh, I'm excited to talk to you guys about this. And, uh, you know, thanks. Uh, thanks for uh, this good discussion. Absolutely here. Nick, Pete, if you want to follow you on social media, how can you do that? At PJ Considori 29, hockey season is starting to get underway with the, uh, with the uh, preseason, uh, and of course, you'll probably see some baseball tweets coming up, especially what happened tonight, but we're not going to spoil that for anyone if they don't know already, but Nick can spoil it if he wants to. Absolutely here, and Nick, if you want to follow you on social media, how can I do that? Uh, at NickFry underscore nine on Twitter or at SkyGuysPodcast on Instagram, that's this. And I will spoil it because this episode is going to come out tomorrow, presumably. In the Sky Guy is that, feed. Is that is that in the Sky Guys feed? That's right. If you're in the, just in the suffering, this is old news. The judge hit the 61, and I am going to the game Friday night. If I catch 62, I am resigning from the podcast. <laughs> yeah, so he's gonna he's gonna he's not he's not gonna trade he's not gonna trade Aaron Judge. He's keeping the baseball. I will give it to the auction people. I will take the money gladly, or I'll shove it in front of the judge's face and go resign and it's yours. Yeah, all right. It's a follow me on Twitter, mphilips331. It's M-P-H-I-L-I-P-S-331. And then Mets episode of the podcast, on Just the Suffering Podcast this week, I had Michael Barron on from Just Mets. Talk to him about that. And big series out this weekend in Atlanta. Preview that a little bit. All that fun stuff as well. Until then, guys, we'll be back next week. May the force be with you. <laughs>